you know, we're in a series called Moving from Good to Great. And, um, and, and we're in week number seven. Can you believe that? Week number seven? You're wondering how much longer am I going to go on in this series? Got a few more weeks. And uh, we're just kind of going through the, the book of Joshua. And we kind of see the common things of, of the promised land represent, you know, a, a Christian victorious living. The victorious Christian life. And, and we talk about the wilderness. Because that's where they wandered for 40 years. And they wandered for there, and, and they were rescued from Egypt. They were delivered, but they just kind of settled for 40 years, just being good. You know, just good enough. You know, just the status quo Christianity. And, and the challenge in this series is to go from good to great, to get out of the wilderness and to get into the promised land, because there's a promised land for each and every one of us here in this life, to live the full Victoria Christian life. And today, I want, to talk, I want to talk about a guy. In fact, he's one of my favorites in the Old Testament, a guy named Caleb. And we're going to see here that he's a mountain man. Mountain man. And I want us to join us here in Joshua chapter 14. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture. We're going to see Caleb kind of pop up here into the story. Now the people, verse number six, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. Okay, so Joshua is the military headquarters during the campaign, the military campaign of claiming the promised land is Gilgal. And the people of Judah, this is the tribe of Judah, they approached him at Gilgal, and one of the people of the tribe of Judah is named Caleb. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, he said to Joshua, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? And he's going to flashback. He said, Joshua, do you remember the day when we were here at Kadesh Barnea? Now, if you were part of our series in week number one, we'll talk about Kadesh Barnea, which represents your decision point. And it was a very important decision point for the people of Israelites as they were coming through the wilderness to take over the promised land. Before they went to the promised land, there were 12 men that were sent out from Kadesh Barnea to scout out the land, the spies. You know, you know the story. You know, 12 spies went to Canaan. 10 were bad, and 2 were good. All right? and, and there were these 10 spies and two other spies, there were 12 total, and Caleb was one of those spies. Joshua was also another one of those spies. They were the two good spies. The other 10 had a negative report. We'll talk about them in a little bit. He said, do you remember Moses? I said, Joshua, do you remember what Moses said to me? He said in number verse, verse number 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land to scout the land. They were the spies. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And so on that day, Moses swore to me, he promised to me, the land on which you 
feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said it to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. And here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country, another translation, give me this mountain that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there. The Anakites were, uh, were giants. They were people of giants. They were large people. You see, you remember, you've heard yourself then that the giants were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. And so Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Caleb is reminding Joshua that when they went through the land 45 years earlier, that God had promised Caleb a mountain. Caleb said, hey, Joshua, listen, I was with you in the wilderness. I was with you when we crossed the Jordan River. I was with you when we fought the battle of Jericho. I was with you. I was by your side when we had the battle against Ai. I have been fighting along with you in the promised land for the last five years. And now, it's my turn. Give me this mountain. Give me the mountain that God has promised to me. Now, the mountain that, Hebron, that, that, that Caleb was talking about was the Mount Hebron, the mountain of Hebron. It was the most fertile the most beautiful, the most luxurious, the most desirable mountain in all of Canaan. It was the very best of the promised land. Caleb said, give me the mountain of Hebron. Now, the word Hebron has several definitions. The three of them, I want you to take note. The first definition is the idea of fellowship. Fellowship. The second definition for Hebron it's the word fullness. And the third definition of Hebron is the word fruitfulness. Fellowship, fullness, and fruitfulness. Well, you leave that up for just a minute because Caleb will send Joshua, I want that mountain that represents fellowship with God. I want to walk with God. Joshua, I want that mountain that represents fullness. I want everything that God has to offer me. Joshua, I want that mountain that represents fruitfulness. I want that mountain that's flowing with milk and honey, where the most beautiful grapes are growing. 
I want that mountain. And my prayer this morning is that every one of us here will say with Caleb by the time we leave, God, oh Lord, I want that mountain. Give me that mountain. And God has promised these three things to every believer here in the room. God has promised fellowship. You never have to walk alone. You never walk through the fire alone. He is always with you, even in the middle of the storm. God has promised fullness, fullness of power, fullness of life, fullness of victory, fullness of peace, fullness of joy. All of it belongs to the believer in Christ Jesus. God has promised fruitfulness where we can all enjoy the blessing that Christ Jesus had to offer. I pray as a believer, you'll say, God, give me this mountain. I want this. I want the very best that you have for me. I pray that this church would say, oh, Lord, give me or give us this mountain. God has promised us the very same thing that he has promised to Caleb. He, he told Caleb, hey, listen, the very soil that you walk on, I have given it to you. Every place you walk, I've given you that ground. God has said to the church, hey, listen, I have given you a city. He has given us a community to make a difference, to make an impact for God. And he said, I have given you victory as a church. I have given you souls to reach at Lake Point Church. I pray as a church. We'll rise up as a mighty army. We say to God, God, give us this mountain. Oh, God, we will not settle for anything less than fellowship and fullness and fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Give us this mountain. We claim it. We, we want it. We stand on it. It's ours. Our possession. It's our inheritance. God, give it to us. Now, if we're going to claim the mountain for God, we have to come out of our valleys. Uh, some of you have been stuck in the valleys. Maybe it's one valley, maybe it's a couple of valleys. You, maybe you've been stuck in a valley of, of, of distress and despair. Maybe you've been stuck in a valley of frustration or valleys of defeat, valleys of mediocre Christian living. Some of you right now, you're in a valley because of marital problems. Some of you are in a valley because of financial problems. You're in a valley because of some great discouragement, some failure in your life. And in order for you to claim the mountain that God wants you to have, you got to get out of the valley. And we've got to do three things that we see Caleb do. Three things that I believe that all of us, we can be like Caleb. Number one. We must have Caleb confidence. We must have Caleb confident. We need to have a little bit of his swagger. We need a little bit of his mojo going on here because he's got a lot of it. When you read through here, you can just see the, the confidence just oozing out of him. There's a video I remember when it first came out, and I was thinking about this past week, in a, in a, of, of a kid named Jason McElwain. And he was a high schooler. 
And, uh, and he was on the basketball team as a ball boy manager. He was autistic, but they all loved him. An autistic kid. But here's what he had. Jason had tons of swagger. Check it out. Greece Athena High School in Rochester, New York, has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs. Get him motivated and uh, hand out water and just be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games. You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they lose a game because he, you know, start yelling or whatever. Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Yeah, okay. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team. For the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. Not to play necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make I missed, it? I just airballed it. <laughs> I'm like, just, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket. His second shot missed too, but the third was a charm. A three-point no-doubter. And Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I wouldn't have believed it, you know. You caught fire. It just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers. One right after the other. He had 20 points total, and each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different, but never this different, never this wonderful. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Rochester, New York. Hot as a pistol. Man, Caleb was hot as a pistol. This a man give me this mountain. He said over and over and over again, we see the certain phrase in our passage of scripture, the Lord said, the Lord told me, he said, in fact, in Joshua chapter 10, verse um, 14, chapter 10, chapter 14, verse number 10, he said, now then, just as the Lord promised. Caleb said, Joshua, do you remember the promises of God? Because I do. I remember it all. He promised me something, and he told me it was going to happen, and I still believe in it today. He had confidence in the word of God. You know, there are over 6,000, some would say over 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. A question for you, do you know them? Do you know them? Do you claim the promises? Is your confidence in God? You see, if your confidence is in man and in your own abilities, you will fail every time. 
but to grow your confidence and to spend time in the Word of God. The more, time, the more you spend time in God's Word, the more your swagger, the more your faith increases. The Bible says the faith, it comes. Your faith is built up by, by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know how you get more faith? You get more of the Word. You get more of the Word. That's why you need, that's why you need to be in the Word every day. That's why it's important to be here on Sunday morning. And if you can't make it here on Sunday morning, you watch online. That's why you need to be listening in and tuning in to God's Word. That's why you need to be in a life group. That's why you need to be faithful to the Word of God because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And Caleb had confidence in the promises of God. Caleb said, my God said, and therefore, I'm going to claim it. I'm going to claim the promises of God. See, God, listen, God has promised you peace in the middle of the storm. God has promised you joy. God has promised you answered prayers. God has promised you power. God has promised you one thing right after another. And your confidence is going to have to be in the word of God and what he says. If you're going to say, give me this mountain, it's because you've got confidence, hot as a pistol, in what God has said. The second thing is that we must have Caleb courage. We must have Caleb's confidence, his swagger. We must also have Caleb's courage. Now, Caleb is just one of the most courageous men in the Bible. You see, if you're looking for an easy way or, or, or a cheap way to climb the mountain, if you're looking for a shortcut, you can forget about it. It never comes easy. You see, you don't build a church easily. You don't build a Christian, a great Christian life easily. You know, to be victorious, to be a victorious Christian life, there's a battle that you have to fight in order to have a victory. There's a price to be paid. You see, you can see the mountains all day long from the valley floor, but you have to have the courage to overcome the obstacles, the opposition, and to, to, to claim that mountain. So take a note. We have to learn that the door to opportunity swings on the, on the, the hinges of opposition. The door to opportunity swings on the hinges of opposition. Paul, the apostle, said to the Corinthian church, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, he said, oh, a great door for effective work has opened up to me. An opportunity has opened up. But there are many who oppose me. And listen, when you have an opportunity to claim a mountain, I promise you, I promise you, you will face opposition. Caleb had to face three of them. Three types of opposition he had to face. He had to overcome, number one, he had to overcome grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. We talked about this a few weeks ago. 
Joshua chapter 14, verse 7 and 8. He said, I was 40 years old back in the days when they were at Kadesh Barnea. He said, I went, I spied out the land, I scattered the land out. He said, I brought back a report according to my conviction. But my fellow Israelites, who also went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. How, how did they make the heart of the people melt in fear? How did that happen? Well, you go back to Numbers chapter 13. It tells us the ten spies that came and saw, you know, the, 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 the twelve spies came and the ten spies came back with a negative report. They said, hey, yes, it's a beautiful land. It's the land flowing of milk and honey. Beautiful, beautiful grapes. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. Except there's giants in the land. And they've got huge cities. And we're nothing but grasshoppers to them. They're going to squash us like a bug. We're, we're, we're destroyed if we step into the promised land. And, and these spies had a grasshopper complex. Now, a grasshopper complex happened like this. When you get to thinking like a grasshopper, and you visualize yourself as a grasshopper, you begin to act like a grasshopper. And that's exactly what happened. And these guys became, they had a grasshopper complex, a grasshopper mindset. And so it got, you know, grasshoppers, they shouldn't bother you. Well, I'd rather be swallowed by a whale than to be nibbled to death by thousands of grasshoppers nibbling at you saying, you can't. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. That's what grasshoppers say. You can't. The ten spies, they grasshoppered. And then they got this little mindset. They said we would rather live in the safety of the wilderness where it's safe. There's no giants living in the wilderness. You know what else don't live in the wilderness? Grapes, victory. That's a status quo. They rather, hey, we rather live and feast off the manna that we have been eating for the last 40 years in the wilderness. Manna. We rather stay here than to cross over. There are people today who say, you know, Scott, I'd rather, wait. I, I'd rather live in the wilderness, I'd rather stay there. And the ten spies said, we would rather die in the land of Egypt. And God said, fine. You're not going to claim the promised land. And for 40 years, Joshua and Caleb witnessed 200 funerals a day. Every stinking one of those grasshoppers had to die in the wilderness. And they totally missed out on the promised land. You see, it takes courage to overcome the grasshopper complex. And how do you do that? How do you, how you overcome that complex? How do you overcome that mindset? Gotta stop looking at how little we are and start looking how big God is. I remember the very, very first time I went up in the elevator in the Renaissance Center, downtown Detroit. I mean, remember that, you know, go up there. And at first, it's a dark elevator. I had no idea what was about to happen. 
You're going to go up to the top floor of that Renaissance Center, and you go up, and all of a sudden, after a certain number of floors, you can see outside. And you're going up, and you can see the cars and the people, and the higher you go, the smaller everybody was. Everybody looked the same. The tallest person and the littlest child. There was no difference from way up there. They all look like ants. You see, if we could only see from God's perspective and see what he sees, you can't tell the difference. We've got to stop looking at how little we are. We've got to stop looking at how big God is, and that's what Caleb did. Caleb saw how big God was. He saw the giants and said, but my God is bigger. And he had courage. He overcame the grasshopper mindset. But Caleb also, number two, he had to overcome Giants. Giants. Caleb said, I know they're big old ugly giants. But the Lord will be with me. I'm going to take them out. But some of you this morning, you're facing some big old ugly, hairy giants. they got different names, these giants. Some of you are facing a giant of failure. You've tried once and you failed. Some of you failed. Some of you are facing a giant of discouragement. There's a black cloud everywhere you go. And you say, God, I can't seem to get out from under it. A giant of discouragement. A giant of fear. A giant of depression. A giant of indecision. You can't seem to make your mind on anything. All kinds of giants. Caleb said, I'm going to march up that mountain with the word of God in one hand and a sword in the other hand, and I'm going to start knocking down some giant. I'm going to start knocking them out, and I'm going to take that mountain back for God. Again, we flash back 45 years earlier. Caleb was 40 years old, right? Not even worried about the giants. Notice what he tells Moses and the people. You, you, you see the same swagger and confidence that he had back then. You see the courage. Look at, look at Numbers 14, verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. They are Bread for us. Man, I love that. Here's what Caleb said. Hey, someone passed the peanut butter. I got me some giant to fight because they are nothing but bread to us. I will not fear for the Lord. He is with me. Those giants that you face in your life, they're there for a purpose. You know what bread does? When you think about that, what does bread do? Well, bread, it enlarges us. It enlarges me. What we call carbs. It gives us strength. Right? It gives us strength. Bread, Caleb said, listen, these giants are not to destroy it, but God sent these giants so that we could become stronger. See, God sent those giants in your life so that you can overcome them, so that you can become stronger for the next giant. 
that come your way. God can overcome the giants, and Caleb did. Yahshua, the third thought here, Caleb, he had to overcome the gray hills. The gray hills. He said in verse 10, hey, he kept me alive for 45 years since he told me the most, since, he, since the time he said it to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. He said, here I am, Joshua. I'm 85 years old. Then he said, I am still as strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I'm still hot as a pistol. Come on. I, I, I'm not letting the gray hairs on my head to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. And you know what this tells me? Listen, this is the sight this tells me that when God makes a promise, when God makes a promise to you, God will fulfill that promise, even if he had to supernaturally preserve you until you're 85 years old in order to get it. He'll see you through and through. God is going to fulfill his word. Hey, we got some gray hairs. Oh, a little gray hair. Somebody's got more gray hairs than others. Somebody said, hey, I got, I've got no hair. Ah, I see you. Listen, if you're still breathing, you're still alive, God's not finished with you. You still have a purpose. You still have a plan. I'm thankful for the gray hairs. Thankful for those that, and you know what gray hairs represent? I call it wisdom, right? Wisdom, that's what they say. I thank God for the, for the gray hairs. The gray hairs. I thank God for the young bucks. They're the ones that got, you know, no grays. Listen, you need the gray hairs. You need those that have gone before you. They've got life lessons that can teach you. And they're here in our church. We've got people that, you know, we've got gray hairs. Some of, some of the gray hairs, you know, aren't seniors, okay? So don't look at me. I got a few gray hairs, but don't, I'm not a senior. But we've got some senior folks here. Whether they've got gray hair or not. Uh, they could have gone anywhere to a church. They could have found a church that might fit more their preference. But you know what? They said, we want to be a part of a church that wants to do something for God. And it's more about God than their preference. I thank God for those who sacrifice their personal preferences for something that's a whole lot more, for the glory of God, for the next generation that they can invest in. Aren't we, aren't we glad for the seniors in our room, in our church? Aren't we glad for them? If you are, let's give it up for them. We love them. Caleb, 85 years old, hot as a pistol. I have my old bud back there, Rocky. Rocky, how old are you, 90? Almost 90, 89? We talk to Rocky. I mean, come on, that name right there got swagger. You talk to Rocky. Rocky got swagger. Rocky, raise your hand out there. Raise your hand, buddy. There he is. There he is. You're all looking for him. Got my buddy Jerry over with Jerry. I see you, buddy. Got swagger. Got swagger. Of course, his lovely wife, Jan. Jan McDonald. That's right. You know, every Monday, she volunteers, comes to the church, 
you know, and, and, and take time to process all the connection cards, all the paperwork, get all the information out to the staff every Monday night. We have that available for Jan. God, God, Jan. Swagger. She got swagger. She's tired of the pistol. <laughs> Caleb had courage over grasshoppers, giants, and gray hairs. Take that mountain for God. The third thing we got to have is the most important one. We must have Caleb's commitment. We got to have his commitment. Why did Caleb have so much courage, so much confidence? It's because of what we see in the last verse. Verse number 14. Because Caleb followed the Lord, the God of Israel. I want to underline that last word. Wholeheartedly. What is wholeheart? In fact, we see this, that phrase three times in Joshua chapter 14. And not only that, we see that in Numbers chapter 14 when Caleb was 40 years old. You know what that tells me? That Caleb never changed with his passion and commitment to God. He was the same at 40 years old as he was at 85. He was wholeheartedly committed to God. You know, it, didn't, it doesn't say here that he partially followed the Lord his God. It, it does not say that he almost fully followed the Lord his God. In fact, it doesn't even say that he followed the Lord his God more than others followed the Lord his God. It simply says that he Follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And I want to tell you that if you're going to be bold to claim that mountain for God, you've got to say, Lord, give me this mountain. Give me your best. Give me your fruitfulness. Give me your fullness. Give me your fellowship. If you want that, then you're going to have to, to wholly follow the Lord your God. You're going to have to do everything that God asks you to do and go all out for him. You're going to have to commit everything that you are to God. Your life with all of its fears and, and frustrations and failures as well as all of your abilities and your great potential. Give it all to him. You're going to have to give God wholly and completely and totally. You have to give it to him. And when you do, you can come to him and say, God, I want that mountain. Caleb wholly followed the Lord, his God. Evangelist D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists America ever produced. He was a, a true clerk. Sunday school teacher showed up at his work one day, led him to the Lord. Grew up, you know, went to ministry, 
started some outreaches, eventually became an evangelist. But even in his early days of his evangelism, he wasn't very, he didn't have the power of God in his life. He went to England and heard a famous preacher named Henry Varley. But in his sermon, Henry Varley made this statement that stuck with D.L. Moody for the rest of his life. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and for and with a man who is totally committed unto him. D.L. Moody took that in. And he said, I will be that man. And God took this unlettered, uneducated, uncultured, untrained shoe clerk and use him to shape two continents for God. Holy, committed to him. Let me ask you some questions. Are you wholly committed? Have you wholly followed the Lord your God? Have you followed him completely in faith? Have you followed him completely in love? Have you followed him in sharing your faith? Have you, have you followed him in, in, in full surrender? Have you followed him in obedience? Do you, do you read his word? Do you allow him full control of your life day by day? Have you wholly Follow the Lord in the area of baptism. Have you been saved, but you've never asked Jesus, you've asked Jesus to come and be your Lord and Savior, but have you ever taken that next step? I've got baptism in a few weeks, March 5th, baptism Sunday. For some of you, just you know this is the area that you've been holding back. You say, you know what, I need to let go. And she says, all right, I want to take that next step. And declare my faith, go public with my faith and, you know, to God and to others. I'm going to obey him. More importantly, maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You don't follow him at all. But you know what? Today you can. Today you can ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And give your life to him. Have you wholly followed the Lord, your God? Is there any area of your life that the Holy Spirit could zoom in, isolate it, and say that you haven't followed me in this area? You need to wholly follow the Lord, your God. You need to give it all to him. There is a mountain called Hebron. It's a mountain of fellowship, a mountain of fullness, or it's a mountain of, of fruitfulness. What's the very best that God has for you and for me in this life? You don't have to wait to die for this. You can have it now. It's for every one of you who will say to God, as much as you me, I will wholly follow after you. God will take your life. Bless it to fulfill his promises in you. And as I close, isn't it exciting 
It is exciting to me. Just to think what God could do through a whole church of people who are totally committed to the Lord. What, what could God do with a whole church full of people like that? Not just one Caleb, but a whole church full of Caleb's. Now, there's in the news right now, you probably see it on Facebook, revivals that are breaking out in college campuses. The move of God moving in different ways. You know, God could do the same here. God could do that in your heart, right where you're at. You don't have to drive down to Kentucky to experience the anointing of God. You can experience God's anointing and his power right here. You could do it right here in Shelby Township. You do it right here in the quietness of your heart. When you say, oh God, I'll be that man. I'll be totally committed to you. And I just wish every one of us today would just say, you know, Scott, I'm sick and tired of living in the valley of despair. I'm, I'm sick and tired of not having all that my God has for me. Oh, why don't you be like old Caleb? Say, you know, once and for all, I'm going to get out of the boat, get my feet wet, and I'm going to go for God. I'm just going to go for God. See, there's only so many hours, there's so many days, so many weeks left to serve God. My friend... It's time for us to stop being sermon listeners and start becoming mountain climbers. Y'all with me? It's time to just say, hey, that was a good sermon, and check it off. It's time to take what you've heard, walk out those doors, and start climbing some mountains. You have a mountain. God has it for you. What would happen if all of us would say, I'm going for God? I want that mountain. Oh, it belongs to me. God has promised you will give it to you. He said, God will be confident. Hot as a pistol. Got some swagger. Because we know what God does. We can stand on the promises of God. We got to be courageous. Because we know who fights behind us, who goes before us, who is with us in the fire, who is with us in the storm. He is with us everywhere we go. We can be courageous. Oh, yes. But you've got to be committed. All in. Wholeheartedly. To the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time. Oh, God, we thank you for the Caleb testimony. A man of passion. A man of confidence. A man of courage. A man of commitment. Oh, God, I pray we'd be like old Caleb. But some of us, we've been stuck in the, in the valleys of life. We've been stuck there for so many years. We've been stuck in the wilderness. We've been there for so long for some of us, and we've settled for good. That we miss out on the best. We miss out on what's great. And so, God, I pray, whatever comes our way, whatever the grasshopper mindset, a, a, a 
a giant mindset. Maybe we have a gray hair mindset that we just can't do it no more. Oh, God, help us to get past all of those negative thoughts. Get out of the valley. Be committed. And acclaim that mountain. A mountain of fellowship. You never walk alone. A mountain of fullness. We can have the fullness of everything you want us to have. Fullness of power, fullness of victory, fullness of life. God, fullness. God, we want your fruitfulness as well. We want to see the fruit of, of, of our rewards. Be blessed in all that we do. Well, God, there may be someone here today that's never given their life to Jesus. And maybe you hear, Scott, you talk about the Christ follower. I, I, I don't know Jesus. But I want to. But today can be your day. Today you can give your life to Christ. The Bible says all we have to do is cry out to him. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Invite him into your life. And let him be Lord. The Lord of your life. And if that's you, say, God, I want, I want that. All you have to do is simply pray right where you're at. You're not praying to me. You're not praying to anyone besides you. You're praying to God. In the quietness of your heart, you can pray a prayer like this. Dear God, oh, I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. I have fallen short. I have failed in so many different ways. I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And make me a new person. Take me to heaven when I die. God, I want to move from good to great. I want to live a life that's fully committed to you. And help me to live that life. God, give me the strength and the power that I can't do on my own. Thank you for your salvation and dying on the cross for me. I touch bow and I close and says, God, I prayed that prayer. I've never done that before. But I ask Jesus to come to my life. I become a follower of Christ. There's anybody in this room. No one's looking. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. Simply like to see your hand. I prayed that prayer and I ask Jesus to come to my life. There's anybody like that in this room. Lift it up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. God, we thank you today for all that you're doing in our hearts. I pray that we leave here today not as sermon listeners, sermon note takers. Oh God, I pray we come out of here as mountain climbers. In the name of Jesus, amen.